Sometimes studying the Bible can feel overwhelming and confusing. Grounded in Truth with Janet Dennison will help you learn to study, understand, and apply God's Word to your daily life. His Word is true. And guess what? It's for everyone. So thanks for joining us today as we dive into Scripture together. Welcome to the Grounded in Truth podcast with me, Janet Dennison. This is a study about the power of prayer and why praying with God's power is necessary for our lives and ministries. Powerful prayer aligns our hearts, minds, and lives with the will of God and enables the Holy Spirit to continue Jesus' earthly ministry through His disciples. Let's look at today's lesson and learn more about how we can pray more effectively and with an eternal purpose in mind. Welcome to Lesson 7, which I've titled Praying for God to Act. It's from 1 Kings chapter 18, one of the most popular chapters in the Old Testament. There are times in our life where we need God to do something, to fix something, to solve something. We live at a period in history when more Christians today are being persecuted for their faith, imprisoned, even losing their lives, just because they speak up for their faith in Jesus Christ. Those of us who live in the United States live with freedom that is unmeasurable in terms of our faith. And yet, even those of us who are in the ministry today are sensing a higher level of persecution than we've ever known before in our lives. What is it to speak up for faith in a culture that doesn't want to hear it and certainly doesn't want to believe it? That's very much the culture that we'll look at today from 1 Kings chapter 18. King David had once prayed, why do the evil prosper? And that seems to be a prayer for every generation. There are times when it seems like the wrong people are winning. The wrong people are getting their message across. And those of us who teach God's word are becoming more and more ignored or thought to be wrong or thought to be narrow in our thinking. That's the culture we live in today. We are right now part of the group of people that have a little persecution because we choose to believe the full truth of God's word. Well, that was the world that Elijah preached to as well. Sometimes we pray for God to fix something, but it doesn't happen. God answered the prayers of Elijah, but they were not the answers that King Ahab expected. One of the things we have to know is that God cannot bless sin. And sometimes we pray for something and pray for even our nation. And yet, God can't bless a nation that is choosing to sin instead of follow him. 
So are we praying for something that is possible? We still ask, but I think we ask in the lesson of 2 Chronicles 7, 14, where scripture says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear their prayers from heaven, forgive their sin and heal their land. The key is if my people will become who they need to be. Are we living at a time when God wants to bless and answer our prayers for our nation? But is it possible that he wants to use the church to heal the nation? Only the church isn't willing to be who God's called him to be. That's, I think, the tension we live in today. It certainly was the tension of Ahab's day. King Ahab was powerful, king of Israel, but he was also an ungodly man. He had married Jezebel, and he'd embraced her god, the god of Baal. He'd allowed worship of Baal. He'd even built altars to the foreign god Baal. Therefore, the prophets who spoke against what the king was allowing lived in danger of his retribution. Israel experienced three years of famine. Then God sent Elijah, his prophet, to remind the people of when and why God was able to bless a nation. These are important verses for us today. There will be famine, there will be drought, there will be things in our nature and in our world that indicate not that God is bringing those things, but that we've lost his hand of protection and blessing. The world has always been fallen. There will always be wars. There will always be storms. There will always be natural events. There are times, though, when God places his hand over a nation and protects them from those things. Do we sense God's hand of protection and blessing on our nation today? What did God tell Elijah and how did the prophet respond? What did God tell Elijah to do? And how was Elijah obedient? He said, after many days, the word of the Lord came to Elijah after three years of famine. And in the third year, God said, go, show yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain upon the earth. So Elijah went to show himself to Ahab. And it said the famine was very severe there in Samaria. Samaria was the capital city of Israel, the place where the king lived. Sometimes we pray to for God to fix something or do something. We ought not be surprised when the answer to his prayer involves us, involves something weird to do in our lives. And so we read in chapter 17 that Elijah had predicted the drought that had been there for three years, that God had sent his prophet away and ravens had brought him food and the brook had dried up 
And so then God sent him to the home of a widow where she had just enough oil to cook one last meal until she actually did and then found that her oil never ran dry. Elijah knew that he'd been chosen by God to preach the truth. And Elijah knew that God had cared for his life. And so when God told Elijah, I want you to go see King Ahab, he said he would go. He was obedient. He was part of the answer. So Obadiah was over King Ahab's household. He would have been the servant for the king that managed the entire palace affairs. And Obadiah, the scripture says, was a God-fearing man. He had hid hidden the prophets that King Ahab wanted to harm in caves and had made sure they had food. At the same time, uh, he helped Ahab care for his household and property. So while he served King Ahab, he was also taking care of the prophets that Ahab wanted to harm. And then Obadiah encountered Elijah. In verses 7 to 11, it says, As Obadiah was on the way, behold, Elijah met him. And Obadiah recognized him and fell on his face and said, Is it you, my lord, Elijah? And he answered, It is I. Go tell your lord, behold, Elijah is here. And he said, how have I sinned? That was Obadiah's response to Elijah. How have I sinned that you would ask me to do this thing? He said that you would place your servant in the hand of Ahab to kill me. Obadiah knew that when he went before King Ahab and said, oh, by the way, I ran into Elijah and he wants to talk to you, that King Ahab, who had been hunting down Elijah for all these years, would get in trouble. He would blame Obadiah for not taking Elijah's life. Because this is what Obadiah said to Elijah. As the Lord your God lives, there is no nation or kingdom where my Lord has not sent to seek you. Obadiah saying, do you realize Ahab? my Lord, small L, has been after you. He's been looking for you everywhere. He said when they would say he is not here, he would take an oath of the kingdom of the nation that they had not found you. And now you say, go and tell your Lord, behold, Elijah is here. In other words, everybody in King Ahab's kingdom knew that if they saw Elijah, they were to come tell the king how to find him so that he could be killed. Ahab wanted to kill Elijah, and now Obadiah was supposed to go to the king and say, by the way, I know where Elijah is, and I didn't kill him. So that's Obadiah's fear. He goes on to explain, he will kill me if I go to him with this message. So what does Elijah say in response to Obadiah's fears of being killed? In verse 15, it says, Elijah said, as the Lord of hosts lives, remember the Lord of hosts is the powerful warrior Lord, the Lord of many armies. As the Lord of hosts live before whom I stand, I will surely show myself to him today. 
So Obadiah went to meet Ahab and told him, and Ahab went to meet Elijah. Elijah understood Obadiah's fears. They were real. They were warranted. But Elijah looked at Obadiah and said, you need to go anyway. I will stand before the king. Sometimes when God uses us to be an answer to prayer, it puts us in situations that are difficult. We need to be willing to serve God and serve his prophets, serve his word. When God says that we need to do something, he's not making a suggestion. It is a command. And Obadiah realized that. He begged Elijah, don't make me go. And Elijah looked at him. He said, I will see the king today. And Obadiah went to King Ahab and said, I know where he is. And the prophet gave Obadiah his word. And so Ahab meets with Elijah. And Ahab said to the prophet, is it you, you troubler of Israel? And he answered, I have not troubled Israel, but you have and your father's house because you have abandoned the commandments of the Lord and followed the Baals. King Ahab was blaming Elijah for the famine that they had been through because that's what Elijah had prayed for, that God would bring famine, and he did. And so Ahab thought, if I just kill the prophet, it'll rain. There are times we're going to have to speak God's truth boldly, and we will pray for God to fix something. And he will say, you know what you need to teach. You know where you need to stand. You know where you've waffled in your faith. You know where you've tolerated sin. Don't be surprised if when you pray for God to fix something and he chooses to use your life, the first thing that happens is God will point out the areas of your life that need to be fixed yourself. That's so often the way of God. Elijah looks at King Ahab and says, you're supposed to be king of Israel and you've allowed Baals. You've not followed the Lord's commands. Why are you praying for blessing if you refuse to obey what God has said? There are times we have to speak God's truth, even if it puts us in some kind of danger. What instructions then does Elijah give to Ahab? He says, therefore, gather all of Israel to me at Mount Carmel and the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah. So Ahab sent to all of the people of Israel and gathered the prophets. This isn't all of Israel. It's probably all the leadership of Israel, those who were in positions of leadership, maybe the priests that had compromised their message. They weren't hiding out in caves. They were still comfortably fed in the synagogues during this time. But those who truly followed the word of God were being pushed to the side. King Ahab didn't want to hear their message. He didn't want to hear that his wife Jezebel was not okay, that her gods were not okay, that the worship that they were allowing was not okay. The people who preached against King Ahab got sent to caves. The people who didn't continued to lead a comfortable life. Are we willing 
to get run off to caves because we're unwilling to compromise God's truth. It could be that we're entering some days that are similar to that. It's a good time to just say that to the Lord. I'm willing. I'm willing to speak truth even when it costs me. Ahab did send for all of those prophets of the Baals and Asherah, he called for the leadership of Israel. This is not the leadership that was living in caves. And they all gathered at Mount Carmel. It's such a word for our culture today. What Elijah said to them, he turned to all of the people who had come near on Mount Carmel and he said, how long will you go limping between two different opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people did not answer him a word. That's a sermon for our culture today. How long will you go on limping between God's word and the culture. If God is king, if Jesus is Lord, follow Jesus completely. If he's not, don't follow him at all. But don't limp in between our culture and, the, and Jesus are not mixing well any longer. The people didn't answer a word. They didn't say anything. Sometimes silence says it all. If you know the truth, you know what to do. Now, just do that. Live according to God's word. Verses 25 to 39 describe all the prophets of Baal and everything they did to prove Baal was the God. They built a huge altar. They put animals on it. They doused those animals with some kind of flammable liquid. And then they danced. They cut themselves. They prayed to Baal and nothing happened. And we know how the rest of the story ends. They're bruised, battered, bleeding, and broken because Baal isn't real. And then Elijah builds an altar himself, and he calls the people to come near him and to listen. He repaired the altar, and he used 12 stones to represent the 12 tribes of Israel. And he rebuilt the altar, but he did it in the name of the Lord, teaching the people this altar is for the Lord. And he then covered the meat with water, put the bowl up there, covered it with water. And if you're familiar with the story, you know what happened next. Elijah prayed to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel saying, let it be known this day that you are God. I am your servant. I have done these things at your word. Answer, O oh God, that this people may know you and turn their hearts back. 
And scripture says, the fire fell from heaven and consumed not only the sacrifice, but the altar itself and everything on it. We pray for God to work so that God can be known and trusted. Do we want God to work? Do we want to be part of God's work in order for people to know he is real? He is God. And everything else they've placed their faith in is not God. Elijah prayed, and people knew who the true God was. When we pray for God to help, are we willing to be part of his answer? When we ask God to work, are we willing to obey whatever God wants us to do? Charles Spurgeon, a very famous preacher, once wrote, True prayer is neither a mere mental exercise nor a vocal performance. It is a far deeper thing than that. It is a spiritual transaction with the creator of heaven and earth. Maybe from this point on, when we bow our head, we take a moment to realize this isn't just something we do to ask God to bless a meal or something we do because we're sitting in church and we're called to pray for people or pray for what we usually pray for. In those deep, powerful, life-changing prayer times, we need to pray with the power of Elijah, willing to sacrifice his life to King Ahab just so that people can know there is a God and there is truth. The purpose of our prayers is to help people know our powerful God. And as Charles Spurgeon said, we are making a spiritual transaction with the creator of the universe. May we pray for that kind of power to fall from heaven. See you next time. Thanks for listening today. If you're enjoying this study and want to go a little bit deeper, we want to encourage you to download our new Foundations Bible Studies app. In the app, you'll find all of our studies along with some extra resources like video lectures, study guides with commentaries, study questions, and even teaching tips. You can also take notes directly on the app. Everything you need to go deeper, all in one place. And if going deeper into God's Word is your goal, you'll definitely want to check out Janet's latest resource we've just added to the app. Wisdom Matters is an evening devotional that gives you an opportunity to reflect on a verse or two from the Bible before going to sleep. We all need more of God's wisdom, so make sure you check out this important resource. You'll find links in today's show notes for downloading the app on both Apple and Android, or simply go to the App Store and search Foundations Bible Studies. We'll see you there.